This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 30th, 2023. First Responders, The Good Samaritan. Good morning, Connection Church. Welcome here in the sanctuary there at home. It's a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom, wet, wet and all, isn't it? Amen. I think they Amen. should get like extra points. We'll, for we'll give you all up. double points today, just yeah. like, you know, whatever. Double point. Register on your way out. Yeah. So today we, uh, we conclude our series, First Responders. As we said before, they're all kind of first responders, you know, from police, EMTs, from firefighters to paramedics. By the way, we have some firefighters here from the. Um, what's it called, Uh, volunteer Volunteer. hose of Middletown. Yeah, four men out there uh, just outside. I would encourage you to stop, say thank you, uh, uh, and and talk to them. Ask them any questions you have. They would love to talk to you, and we're so appreciative that they're here today. You know, there's National Guard, American Red Cross, FEMA, public health, on and on. I wanted to, hit me first service. Now, we have first responders, and here we have our, uh, our uh, gatekeepers. Yes. Yeah. Um, Brian, do we have any other gatekeepers in here this morning? Brian, um, yeah, there's, there's a whole team, we've talked about this before, who, um, led by Kyle Smith and Eric Evans, Al's one, um, where there's two people assigned to every service, and they're constantly walking around the church, <laughs> keeping an eye on things. So we hope that they never have to be used in any way, but they are our first responders to handle any situation that comes up. And we are grateful to our gatekeepers for for doing that. Thank you. That's so we don't have to be first responders. If you want to be a part of that team, check it out and talk to me. There you go. But, you know, today in this series, we've been talking about a different kind of first responder. We're talking about biblical first responders, um, those who respond, aren't afraid to respond, who, even if the situation is difficult, uh, challenging. Um, so last week, we, the first responder we talked about, his name was Nicodemus. Good. You get, you get quadruple points. There you go. And, and, and two weeks ago, we were talking about Mary, all of you just signed up outside for those extra points here. So Nicodemus and Mary. Today, our first responder is actually, actually, it's a kind of an imaginary character, but just the same, we probably know this one as well as any in the Bible, the Good Samaritan. Yeah, the Good Samaritan. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I am still flying high from yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait to do sermon series based on what, we've, what we learned yesterday. I have all these books coming in the mail. It's really, really good. So, Susan, again, thank you to you and your team. Incredible. All right, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today that we could be together in fellowship, that we could come together and and hear your word found in scripture. Lord, settle us in, whether we're online, whether we're right here. Remove any distractions. You are worth every minute of our attention. So help us be attentive. And we pray this 
in your awesome and holy name. Amen. Amen. First responders, so we're going to start with a little scripture. We're going to start with Luke 10, starting at verse 25, going to 29. And this is the New Living Translation, the New Living Translation, the NLT. One day, an expert uh, in religious law stood up to test, check that out, to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Well, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He should have stuck with, he should have stayed be, without that question because that's because yeah. he gets an earful. He does. You know, this scripture starts out one day. I mean, it doesn't say it's like a festival or anything big going on. It's one day. And in the NIV, it says on one occasion. So it would seem that it's kind of nondescript, an ordinary day. And here we have an expert in religious law that wanted to test Jesus. Oh my goodness. Go, uh, good luck with that one. Anyway, he asked Jesus what he should do, what he could do to inherit eternal life. Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, answers with a question. He doesn't directly answer the question, but he asks the question, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Now, this particular person would know the law of Moses. It's the first five books of the Bible. And so Jesus wanted to know what this guy's interpretation of so that he could answer his own question. Isn't that how we do a lot of teaching? It's like somebody says something to us and we kind of throw it back at them. And then they're able to learn and kind of pull it apart. And so the man answers with an Old Testament reference, of course, because he doesn't have the New Testament. So he answers with an Old Testament. I mean, that's what this guy does. He's an expert in the law. He's, he, he has studied this. This is his focus. It's basically all he does. So he's very, very familiar. And, he ref with, and, and Jesus knows how he's going to respond. Hello. And, and, it would, and what he responds with would be familiar to every single Jew in the room. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. This is from Deuteronomy. This is, you know, that we talked about a few weeks ago, the phylacteries, those little boxes that they would wear on their head or on their arm. They had scriptures in them, and one of the scriptures was this scripture from Deuteronomy. You must love the Lord. Just exact. So the, the Jews there would have known exactly what he was talking about. They would have been tuned in. And then another verse that's very dear, dear to the Jews, Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor, say it with me, as yourself. We even know that, right? You know, you take those two verses, basically, you've wrapped the Old, Old Testament up in a nice little bundle with just two verses, haven't you? That's, that's the essence of the Old Testament. And Jesus, so he affirms this guy, what he says, he tells him he's right, do this and you shall live. End of story. Uh, not. 
So the guy wants to justify himself, to justify his actions. So he pushes it a little farther and said, well, who is my neighbor? Most Jews at that time would have considered their neighbor somebody in their inner circle, somebody in their church, so to speak, somebody within the faith. And that would be who their neighbor is. And he wanted to justify this. Like, that's who my neighbor is. He wanted to push Jesus into answering that question, who is my neighbor? It's a good question. It's actually a good question for us to consider. Who is our neighbor? Of course, it's the person beside us in our wherever we live. But is it the person down the street? Is it the person in the store? Is it the person in a different state? Who is our neighbor? Mm. So he's kind of hoping to justify his actions. Jesus say, well, it's a Jew in the temple there. But that's not what he says. In fact, he doesn't actually tell him. He gives him a story. You ever notice how often Jesus does that? He's a storyteller. And the reason is these stories always, always give a, a kind of a simple story for a much deeper truth, all right? So here we have it, the story, Luke 10, 30 through 35. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. Or, I'm sorry, passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised, not just a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So Jesus starts this story by saying a Jew, Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. The people in attendance would have known what Jesus is talking about. Let me um, set the context here. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho, in the words of Bible scholar William Barclay, was notoriously dangerous. That stretch of road was treacherous. Picture this, Jerusalem is 2,300 feet above sea level, and the Dead Sea near Jericho is 1,300 feet below sea level. So that is a 3,600 drop in about 20 miles. The road that is along there is very narrow. It's got a lot, a lot of rocky passages. It's got sharp turns and, and treacherous curves. And it was an ideal place for bandits to hide and then attack. And as actually, this is really interesting. Well, it is to us anyway. St. <laughs> Jerome, who lived in the 5th century, he identified this stretch of road as 
the red or bloody way. So that's how bad this particular road was. And so the story that Jesus is telling reflects this road and, and the listeners would know about it. And the traveler that Jesus talks about, of course he's going to get attacked by bandits and they would think, well, he's foolish to be traveling alone. But that's what he did. And this uh, traveler suffered the consequences. So let's take a little closer look. It happened that a priest came along. Well, you would think this would be lucky for the traveler because, you know, a priest, you'd think, would want to help him. Not. No. You know, he, he thought the man was probably dead. He looked, hey, he was dead anyway. And the problem is if you're a priest and you touch a dead man, you now become unclean. So that kicks you out of your priestly duties for a week. Apparently, he didn't want to be kicked out of his priestly duties for a week. I mean, it doesn't say all this, but you just extrapolate why he would, um, would avoid this man. And so if that was the case, that he wanted to stay in the temple doing what he normally did rather than helping this disabled traveler, you would have to say duty then trumped compassion. And the priest then sidestepped the one who was in need. So Jesus continues on with another example. He says that the man who assisted the temple priests, they were called Levites, also avoided the man lying there, the man in need, the man half dead. Perhaps it was for the same reason as the priest, although he didn't have the direct duties, but he was an assistant to the priest. The other thing that we could speculate is that maybe the dead man on the road was a decoy. You see, the bandits worked in tandem, and so they could have been working together to rob somebody. And so maybe he was just afraid. At any rate, this temple assistant, who should have known better, went to the other side of the road completely avoided the man on the street. And then we have the despised Samaritan. Isn't that interesting that they add that word despised? Jesus puts that word in there, despised. And, and he's the one, I mean, he's creating this story, right? This is a, like a parable. He, he's created, it could have happened, but it's, he's not telling something that he'd actually, but he's telling a tale here to make a point. So this is a, a, a despised uh, and it's interesting, he chooses those words very carefully. He chooses the Samaritan carefully, and he chooses to call the Samaritan despised. And the reason he said that was because the Jews absolutely despised the Samaritans. And the reason for that is the Samaritans were what we would call half-breeds. They, they were the result of Jews marrying Gentiles in Samaria and you have this population, a mixed population, and the Jews didn't care for a mixed population. Add to that, these people did not worship the temple in Jerusalem. They worshiped at a temple that they built on Mount Gerizim, which is up in that area of Samaria. Add to that also that they had converted to a Samaritan form of Judaism. It's altered. It's not the original. You get in the picture here that uh, they cannot stand these uh, 
these so-called Jews who are, are not what they would deem pure Jew in any of the sense. He considered them pagan, and, and by Jesus' time, hated them so much that they would literally cross the Jordan River to avoid having to travel through Samaria to despise Samaritan. Now, one would assume that the fallen traveler on the road was a Jew. And here we have this Samaritan who had pity on this man, who felt compassion toward this guy. He looked beyond their differences. He looked at what they shared in common, which was their humanity. Their humanity. And so the Samaritan went to the wounded man. He bandaged him. He put oils on him. He cared for him. He also put him on his own donkey, which meant that the Samaritan walked, and he transported this wounded man on the donkey. He took him to an inn. He just didn't drop him off. He stayed there, cared for him. So this despised Samaritan took care of, cared for, nursed this nearly dead man. Mm. But there's more. The next day, he didn't just leave the man and go on his way. He, he gave the innkeeper two silver coins and told him to take care of the man. And, and then he said if the bill was more than the two coins, he would settle up on his next trip. Apparently, it, it was not unusual for this man, the Samaritan, to be on this route. Apparently, he knew the innkeeper. Apparently, he had the means to take care of this injured man, and even more if necessary. Apparently, the despised Samaritan was a good guy, going above and beyond caring for others, especially in this case, a Jew. And so Jesus continues... Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who, would, who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Don't you just love how Jesus crafts these stories? I mean, they're brilliant, duh. Hello. It's Jesus. Come on. But, but they just... They're perfect. How he frames the story. While, while the priest and temple assistant are bound to duty, duty, the Samaritan was bound to help the man in need, the man who had fallen victim, the, the man who was nearly dead. Uh, no matter how much the expert of the law despised the Samaritan, despised the despised Samaritan, his only answer when Jesus asked him the question, the only answer that made sense was the answer he gave. And you notice, he couldn't even bring himself to say the Samaritan, could he? When Jesus says, who was the neighbor? He said, the one who showed him mercy. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. That's how much he despised the guy. But he didn't have a choice the way this story was crafted. He had to go with the one that he couldn't even stand. And then Jesus' response, of course, go and do the same. Wow. <laughs> so we see this interchange in Luke chapter 10. We see the heart of the gospel. We see the heart 
of Jesus, who he was, what he said, what he preached. And it shows us that, in fact, Jesus, God, loves all. There aren't a select few. It's not just reserved to the Jews, but to all. He loves all people. He loves all of us. Not one of us falls outside of the circle of Jesus' love. Jesus' hand is never too short to reach us. There is nothing in our lives that we can do to make Jesus not love us. That love is unconditional. And we, as wretched as we can be, still receive incredible love of Jesus. That's who he is. Jesus equals love. And so we see that grace is available to all. All who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are invited into a saving relationship with Jesus. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy walking that Jesus road. But we're all invited into that relationship. And this whole Samaritan thing, it's not the first time Jesus has dealt with that. I mean, in real life, we talked a couple of weeks ago how he, uh, he was talking with a Samaritan woman at the well, remember? And, and, and she was surprised that this Jesus, a Jew, was talking to her, a Samaritan, and a Samaritan woman at that. But, you know, Jesus doesn't let these man-made barriers get in the way of the important conversations. He doesn't let them get in the way of salvation. In fact, the people who are farthest from God, who are the most disenfranchised in society, who are the least, the last, and the lost, are the very people that Jesus gravitates toward, spends time with, the very people he engages. Five chapters earlier, we find this, in this same book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 30 to 32, New Living Translation. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And Jesus calls us to do the same. This scripture that the man repeated is our scripture too. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And love your neighbor. Who is our neighbor? It's, it's anybody that we meet, even people that we don't know. Just as the expert of the law discovered, our neighbor is anybody and everybody. And it's important to dig deep in our hearts and, and discern when do we turn away? When do we turn our heads? Perhaps we need to turn toward those people who maybe are different than us, who may be hard to love, who we might want to ignore. A couple of weeks ago uh, in our message, Alan talked about 
um, up at Christiana Mall, there's some homeless people who stand regularly and, you know, with their sign. And, and I know I've been guilty to pull up and kind of look the other way or not get up quite as far as where they are. You know, it, I don't know how to engage or it's just uncomfortable. And, you know, we talked about what can we do? Well, after that service, Victoria said, I know what she can do. And she gave us the idea for Project Blessing Bag. We are starting that project today. It is our outreach for the month of May. Victoria gave us some items, and I added one or two items, uh, toiletries, travel-sized food, non-perishable personal items that will be very helpful. And what we want to do is collect in the month of May, there will be a bin outside for these items. And then we're going to organize a, a time when we can get together and put the bags together. And then the bags will be available for us so that we don't have to turn our head, but we can say, here, God loves you. Here, here's a bottle of water. Here's granola, you know, and we can reach out to the least, the last, and the lost. Victoria, thank you for nudging us. It's really, it's a good thing. And so we are excited about this project blessing bag. Great idea. Back to the story. The Good Samaritan was a first responder. And we're called to be also. And that first response looks different every day, depending on the situation, depending on who it is. Uh, we might be the first to respond to, uh, to a marriage around us that's in crisis. Uh, we, uh, we, we are the first to respond to, to friends having challenges with their children. First to respond when someone is waiting to hear from the doctor. And the first to respond when that news from the doctor isn't so good. First to respond when someone is, has grief so bad that it's just overwhelming. First to respond when uh, a friend's depression is devastating. Maybe we're called to be the first to respond when sorrows and worries and fears of those around us are so severe that we can't even hardly imagine it. But it doesn't really matter if we can imagine it. We just need to be there. You might say, I don't know what to say. Sometimes it's not about what you say. It's, it's being there. It's being a present. We respond uh, not just listening with our ears, but listening with our hearts. Respond with a prayer and understanding that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can comfort, who can give us strength, Ultimately, Jesus is the only one that can really give us hope. It's important for us to remember that Jesus and Jesus alone is the Savior. We're just the first responder. And again, what does it look like to be a first responder? <coughs> well, it might mean that our schedule might have to change. That to-do list that we have 
needs to be altered. I've shared many times my personal mission statement is to be ready to respond when God interrupts because, you know, my top, one of my top gifts is administration and, you know, I could sit behind a computer all day, but that's not what God wants. People over projects. That's what God wants. People over projects. And when God interrupts your day or your night, God's going to give you what you need in order to respond. And you might not even respond with a prayer. You just might show up. And just your very being gives a presence that could bring peace to a situation that is out of control. You can respond with kindness, with a tone of voice that is soothing, you can respond in all sorts of ways. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. We are called, wherever we are, to put, like, you know, our own eyes we see dimly. But when we put, like, glasses on and we, like, through the eyes of Christ, people look, we share humanity. And so our call is to respond to be a first responder. Connection Church, let's do it. All people matter to God. Let's be first responders. Remember, Jesus will give you everything you need. Jesus came to save us, every one of us, and gave his life so that we might not lose ours, so that we could have the courage and the boldness to be Jesus to a world that desperately needs a savior. That's the good news of the gospel. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for this story found in Luke. Jesus talking to the, the guy who wanted to know how to, and <coughs> how to have eternal life. And actually, he wanted it on his own terms. Aren't we guilty? of wanting you to be the God that we fashion, the God that is at our beck and call, the God that doesn't step on our toes or convict us to lead a life in a new way. But Lord, we thank you for who you are, for being righteous, for being omniscient, for being the God who cares deeply and shows us the way. Lord, help us live with lives that are abandoned to you as we leave this place today. Just let us give ourselves wholly to you, Lord. We thank you and we praise your holy name. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.